Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. Are you gonna love them or hate them? Here comes the binge. Hey everybody, welcome to The Binge, in which a couple of homos review the latest movie theater releases. I'm Jason Leroy. And I'm Rebecca Larte, and today we have three movies for you. Skyscraper, Ava, and The Misandrists. And as always, we're going to rate these movies on a three-tiered scale, with Binge It being our highest rating. Consuming moderation means it's okay, but it's kind of meh. And send it back means... Life is too short for that mess. Oh, Jason. What is going on with your short, short life? Well, thank you for asking. Um, you know, I like to come from a place of no in life in general. Mm-hmm. So I just today said no to an opportunity that arose. Mm. Um, so I was recently uh, put in touch with um, that podcast called Risk. Are you familiar with this show, no, Risk? No, I am not. So it's I don't done. Like podcasts. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> or um, movies. <laughs> I uh, so the show Risk. Uh, it's it's like this ten year old. It's like one of the biggest storytelling podcasts. It's like they think of themselves as like a much edgier version of like the Moth. Mm. And as I believe we've established on this show already, mm. I hate the Moth. Mm-hmm. Um, but so it's run by that guy Kevin Allison, who was in the State. He was like mm, the ginger mm-hmm. gay dude in the State. Yeah. So um, he has been running the show for like 10 years. And the whole thing is um, basically they're like, it's, you know, you come to hear the most gut-wrenching, jaw-dropping, sometimes hilarious stories that people would only tell at risk. And I didn't really know much about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically just like a jo- friend of the show, Joshua Grinnell, emailed a batch of people who had spoken it out loud, which was a storytelling mm-hmm. show that he did. And, um, and cause I guess he's been on that show and Kevin Allison emailed him and was like, we're coming to San Francisco. Um, we're looking for storytellers, you know, like, let me know if you know anyone. So, um, so he emailed a group of us and was like, here's the info, here's the prompts. Um, if you're interested, here's how you contact them. And so I'm thinking like, oh, well, this could be a good opportunity. Kevin Allison, state, hilarious, funny podcast. Great. Um, you know, I, I'm in. And what the prompts were like under the influence um, what was I thinking and spirituality? And I'm like, I've got one that does all three. No, so I'm thinking, oh, okay, well, maybe this would be a good place to tell sort of my, you know, like some sort of definitive version of my story about like how I was an evangelical Christian from the time I was 17 mm-hmm. to 22. And, um, so I'm just like, okay, cool. So I'm like, so email a pitch to the, the, the risk people and um and then a few days goes by and they get back to me and they're just like yeah could you put yourself on tape you can just record yourself doing like a 10 or 12 minute version of the pitch as a first draft here is a million words of information about how to do it um and here's like a soundcloud lecture by kevin allison explaining how the whole thing should work and what makes a risk story and they were in some they were they were doing so much sort of like mythologizing of themselves Mm. that i was already getting a little bit like guys Maybe calm down a little. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, okay, sure. So I, uh, so I'm listening to this lecture by Kevin Allison, and I, and like he's like he's like, and here's some here's some great sample clips uh, of stories that we've told on Risk over the years. He starts off with a story that he told about being at some sort of like gay sex camp and having like five guys pissing in his mouth at once. Mm. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not, you know, I haven't been fully lost from from that yet. The second story, one of the most horrifying things I've ever heard in my entire life, 
um, a woman narrating the time that while mentally ill and under the um, belief that her mother was a demon, attempted to stab her mother to death. Whoa. And just narrating the second to second. But is it supposed to be funny? No, that's oh, okay. the thing. Okay, that's good. Okay, that's and actually that's good. Well, okay. You're like, because you're like, I thought only I thought that was funny. I didn't know their <laughs> podcast. So what's this called again? Uh, Are they still thinking bitches? <laughs> so she's narrating like the, the the really super grisly, horrifying second to second of like stabbing her mother repeatedly and her mother's reaction. And um, And around this time, I start to think this might not be the right show for me. My story does not involve anything like that. And um, and then as he's going on and he's sort of like uh, talking about how to do it right. And he's like, it's all about show, don't tell. It's all about narrating a story with scenic details. Uh, you know, like, don't say my sister was mad at me that day. Say my sister glared at me from across the room. Her nostrils flared. Her fists were clenched. And I'm like, oh, this is exhausting. <laughs> um, but then a bit later... He said uh, he was talking about, you know, how he's worked with different people over the year to develop their pitches into something that's risk right. And he's like, why does it sound so brandy? Uh, it's very strange to me. And he's like, so, you know, he's like, so this woman comes to me and asks if she can tell a story about the time she was raped. And I knew this is where it was going. And, you know, and, and we're like, yeah, sure. Let's hear it. And so she gives this oh first God. draft and like 80 percent of it is her describing the foliage like around her in the woods where it happened. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. That's not right. Like, what did the air smell like? What did he smell like? What did it look like what you you were seeing? That's how you tell that story. Can you tell the story of what my face looks like right now? Uh, Her nostrils are flared. (laughs) Her fists are clenched. She's glaring at me from across the table. Spot on. I only know, I only know one on. way of doing scenic detail. That was risk right. Um, oh my god, that's terrible, Jason. So I was so I was like, that really is gross to me. That's disgusting. Um, and so and I still Ooh. I was and so I was like I was so that really was that bur- burrowed into my mind. I was like that that really mm, that really bothered me, and um and so but I still was like, well, let's see if there's a way I can do this story. And then the more I thought about the more my story, the more I was like. It's just kind of, it. it's basically, you know, it, it was just a gradual thing that happened over five years of my life. It's largely interior. You know, it doesn't have these like big, juicy, bloody moments. Um, and I'm just like, so I'm, you know, I was like, I don't think that it's the right um, f- place for my story. I don't think that my story and risk are good fits for each other. And, you know, I'm not saying anything bad about my story. I am maybe saying something bad about risk. It sounds like a lot about bad about um, risk. Because it, it, honestly, it sounds like this kind of really emotionally masturbatory environment that frankly reminds me a lot of the Christian group that I was in in college. Oh. Um, where, you know, you were just expected to just like sit down with a complete stranger and then just tell them like your dirtiest secrets um, in the name of some sort of like intimacy. Um, and it was strange. So. It sounds like the master. It is. It, well, yeah, cults are cults, you know, not, mm. not saying late, not saying it was a cult, but, um, but so I emailed them today, uh, which was the deadline for my audio and I'm just like, Hey, you know, I, after a lot of consideration, I've decided that it's not a good fit. Um, you know, thanks for the opportunity and I'm thinking that'll be it. But this guy writes back and is like, that's really surprising to me. Um, you know, your pitch seems right up her alley. 
So, you know, if, if, I mean, I respect your decision, but, you know, if you would like to offer any additional insight into <laughs> what um, you feel is the disconnect, then, you know, I'm happy to hear it. We're always looking to refine our, our process and how we do things. You're like, I was sitting at my computer. <laughs> Nostrils flare. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I write back and I just sort of like go into like my whole, you know, I'm very being very respectful and I'm just like, I just feel like my story is, is does, it lacks the the way I'm just like I first of all full confession I was not a listener of your show I was not familiar with it and when I start to learn about what your whole focus is around like what can be what's our most shocking what's the most gut wrenching stories you would never tell anywhere else I'm like this is a story I've told like a million places a million times because it's my story and it's not hard for me to tell mm-hmm. and you know and it's it's and it doesn't really have juicy moments and it's not gut wrenching and it's not shocking. And so, you know, I'm just like, I, I'm like, I don't feel like I would, will give your fans the catharsis that they're buying a ticket to see. Um, also. <laughs> yes. And I'm just like, should I? And I'm just like, yeah, I feel like I should. I feel like it's, I feel like, because the person I was corresponding with was a dude and I'm a dude and I'm just like, it's, and it was a dude, Kevin, who said this on SoundCloud. So I'm just like, I should say something. That's great. So I said something and I just said, um, I'm like, also, if I'm being perfectly frank, I was a bit put off by some of the things that Kevin said on the SoundCloud lecture. Um, in particular, the part where he glibly hectored a rape victim uh, for focusing too much on the foliage around her attack um, and then commenced to explain to her how she should narrate the story of her own rape was difficult to digest. And That's uh, great. Good so, for you. You know, and weirdly, it's not written back. No, not um, at all. Sure. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I just don't know. I feel it's, and maybe it's one of those things where they're like, oh man, like he just doesn't get it. We hope he'd be one of those people who get what we do, but he's just not. He's, it sounds like, it reminds me of like the square. <laughs> like I get, I'm picturing these like agent, like an agency being like, yeah, but like tell that. It's like, it sounds like a real, like a parody of, of like terrible advertising. Yeah. Brand, on brand sort of yeah. folk. Yeah. I was. Creatives. I was. Content, creating content. I was genuinely, when I listened to that for the first time, I was just, I just, I was sitting on the bus on the way home from work and my jaw just like fell open. There's a scenic detail. And, <laughs> and, and how many guys were around? You know, and also, and you know, and yeah, I mean, and, and that also bummed me out because he is gay and he is, you know, he's kind of one of the first. I can remember, you know, I think I remember him from, you know, when he was in the state, I, I think he was out possibly back then. And mm. so he's one of the first kind of like out gay men who I was aware of. And, you know, it just seems like sadly you know, he might fall into that kind of category of, yeah. you know, gay men of a certain generation who are just super, super um, indifferent to um, sensitivity, respect, mm-hmm, let's say, mm-hmm. um, you know, anti-SJWs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, um, but yeah, so I'm not doing risk um, is the is along the short of that story. Um, and, uh, you know, I feel, you know, I have a natural sort of like, well, what could have been kind of regret set in shortly after I sent it. Like, I mean, here's the thing. It would have meant a lot of publicity for the show. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Is so I'm act- sitting here. They don't even guarantee that. Nostrils flared. <laughs> Fist clenched. I thought that was just your resting state. but uh, <laughs> It's hard to breathe. But, but uh, that's the thing. You don't even necessarily get guaranteed a spot on the podcast if you do a live taping. Like, oh, you, yeah. you do the live, the live show, and then if they think you're like, top you top flight risk material then um then you get to be on the podcast Ugh. it sounds gross and imagine if you would have been like oh that was really off-putting but i'm gonna do it anyway because what would have been and then you didn't get picked like, the whole thing you yeah. did the right you did the right thing i felt yeah good for you thank you thank you for the affirmation 
Uh, Rebecca, what's up? I hope with they you? respond to you. Uh, yeah, I'll let you know if they do. What's and up? let me know if you need something right back. Happy <laughs> to just, happy to collaborate on that. Give some scenic details so you can provide for them. Yeah, let's do it in an audio. <laughs> um, what's up with me? Thank you for asking. Um, I'm about to take a vacation. Yeah, very excited for that. I'm going to um, going to live, you know like a bit of a tropical exotic locale. Ooh, where? Um, just outside of um, uh, Akron, Ohio. You know, um, I feel like. Our listeners don't like it when you rub your luxurious lifestyle in their faces. I feel like we're going to get some pushback on this one. But uh, what can I say? I deserve it. Uh, I'm going to go sit, you know, lake, lakeside. Living that lake life. Living that lake life. Uh, Warm summer nights. Maybe get some mosquito bites. Ooh, for sure. I'm lucky. Oh, do you you get bit a lot when you're out and about? Uh, Not particularly. Oh, okay. Well, lucky you. Are you? Oh, my God. Yeah. Are you meat? I am meat. I'm complete magnet for it. Yeah? Yeah. Like, I will, like, wake up in the morning, and I will have, like, three new bites. And I'm just like, how are we even out there? Like, literally in this apartment. I'll just be like, where are they even? Really? They materialize, bite me, and vanish. You're, you're and sweet blood. It is. And, and Scott's blood is rancid. So, uh, <laughs> no bites on him. But, uh, but wow. So, how long are you going to yeah. be uh, living that lake life? Uh, well, I'm living the lake life from uh, Sunday until Wednesday. Okay. Spending Saturday and Sunday, uh, first part of Sunday with my family mm. um, outside of Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then yeah, and then heading over to uh, to the lake shore. Not the lake. Not not the lake. It's uh, a, a, a much smaller, a much more um, exclusive lake. Oh, I see. An elite lake. Mm-hmm. Uh, over in, like... Not not the word I was expecting to have trouble saying, but in oh, in foliage country, um, you know that <laughs> right. sort of like beautiful outside of where you went to school mm-hmm. area that's so gorgeous. And this is the perfect time of year to go and get all lakey. Oh, lakey! Mm-hmm. Spend some time with your family. Maybe get a risk story out of it, and then go, I might. go hit the lake. I'm yeah. trying to think if there's anything I should ask my parents that I like. You know, every time you kind of go back every once in a while, you're like, so why don't I have siblings or something like <laughs> real. <laughs> Why do my nostrils flare like this? <laughs> um, help me unclench my fists. <laughs> Prime open. I dare you. Please. Uh, yeah, so that's what's up with me. Um, I'll probably be um, trying, trying to be as off the grid as possible. Yeah. Because um, I have, you know, I work kind of a, a bit and I, I don't want to do that. Yes. Well, so, no. Yeah, you need to turn. I mean, you're taking. Are you taking actual time off? I'm taking actual time off. Well, then, are you? When you do that, are you good about actually turning off your work email and all? Sometimes that? I you, don't know. You got to do it. I'm gonna. You got to do what it. Can, what, what can I? How effective can I be? You know, if you still answer work email, but then aren't here to go to see any movies with me next week, <laughs> then I will that's be offended. A, that's a good point. That's I'll a good offended. point. <laughs> uh, speaking of movies, shall we get to our first movie of this week, right. which is? Let's do it. Okay, skyscraper. <laughs> Former FBI hostage rescue team leader and U.S. war veteran Will Sawyer now assesses security for skyscrapers. That's a real come down, huh? <laughs> he's on assignment in Hong Kong when he finds the tallest, safest building in the world suddenly ablaze, and he's been framed for it. A wanted man on the run, Will must find those responsible, clear his name, and somehow rescue his family, which is trapped inside the building above the fire line. Not below us. Mr. Sawyer, you are the very first family we've had in the residential section of the Pearl. After your security assessment, what do you think of the building? The Pearl is the most advanced super tall structure in the world. It's a breathtaking achievement. But no one really knows what would happen if things go wrong. I recently read um, a a really, really long article about um, the Grenfell Towers fire in London. 
Um, and it was really hard for me not to think about that a lot during this um, during this movie, um, which is you know unfortunate. Uh, <laughs> really, uh, unlike uh, the fire in this movie, it really sucks the air. Out, well, I guess like the fire in this movie, it really sucks the air out of the um, you know sort of roller coaster ride of a summer action flick. Because you are, if nothing else, a fan of architecture, as longtime listeners of the fan mm, might know. Mm, mm-hmm. How did you enjoy the uh, the CGI architecture in this movie? That was a delight. That was a that was a real delight. Yeah, um, did yeah. It give you a tickle. It gave me a little bit of a tickle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but it was it was just really interesting to see how because they kind of really talk about this building and like the fireproofing and the technology involved and like what are the things that happen that make it you know more susceptible to flames or not so it was just kind of a weird thing uh that was hard to get out of my mind yeah um it seems like the takeaway from uh from this movie with regards to the fire safety question is to not have all the controls set on a single ipad yeah, that uh, that is a good takeaway. Yeah, yeah, that uh, that seemed to you know even however secure you think that iPad is with face recognition or whatever and the, the shit, whole thing, yeah, you know it's still just a bad mm-hmm. move. Bad Not move. Good. Not no, good. no, too easy to fall into the wrong hands. It really is. Um, uh, so we have uh, the Rock, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. We do. It really is just about him. This whole thing, the, the him in this building. Well, I mean, to me, it's all about Nev Campbell. Sure, fair. Uh, but yeah, Dwayne Johnson's there too. <laughs> and uh, I think one of the first things that we said to each other after walking out of this movie um, is that Dwayne Johnson's charisma levels are really low here. Mm-hmm. His general like uh, physical, uh, Im- like the physical impression he leaves in most movies yeah. is not there. He kind of just seems like a big guy. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, the charisma, the excitement. But I mean, I guess that's kind of a good thing because his character is sort of like has been beaten down by life. Yes, but it's sort of like he's made this decision to do character acting for the first time in his career in possibly the stupidest movie he's ever been in. Yeah, that's true. That's that's very true. It's a little it's a little mismatched. Perform- it's also it's kind of kind of related to this. Like, so one of the first, uh, actually, the only really big fight scene in this movie, and we'll get to like the the why behind it is um, also really different from his fight scenes. Like, usually his fight scenes in movies are over the top right he like takes a guy and he throws him across the room and mm-hmm. things just have a very like not realistic physics situation yeah and he gets into a fight with one of your favorite actors oof pablo schreiber old porn stash from orange is the new black oh yeah and they get into uh uh you know fight to the death and it is gnarly it is pretty gnarly, yeah, and it involves uh so Dwayne Johnson's character has um has a prosthetic leg in this movie mm-hmm uh for for what appears to be purely stunt based reasons um just just to just to really up the ante and to yeah. make it so that when he's inevitably scaling the side of the said tall building he's a little bit lighter that he will have to remove the leg and use it to swing from place to place <laughs> uh which is i would feel um i would feel neglectful if i didn't mention feels like a strong callback to aviva drescher of the real housewives of new york who famously had a fake leg and who famously pulled off said leg during a fight, said the only thing fake about me is this, and threw it across the room. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Um, so is this as thrilling as that scene? No. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's there. So, but yeah, no, the fight with Pablo Schreiber did feel a much more sort of just like hand-to-hand combat. And very graphic very and like bone, bone crunchy very like life and death stakes it's in an apartment and it's so it's like a very kind of like a small scene and it's a lot of just like, there's this one part where uh, Pablo Schreiber like 
like pushes him into a tele like his like kind of headbutts him into oh, a television yeah. and mm-hmm. it just like crunches and it's like very visceral and it's it's not like fun fighting at all it's like yeah. really upsetting yeah no that's true they yeah. like smash into a coffee table and it's yeah. just it's super intense it's full of mommy dearest and i felt like the movie in general you know as you're talking about his charisma the way he carries himself this fight it's not as fun as I was expecting. Like I bought popcorn yeah. on purpose because I was like, summer. Oh, it's yeah. like actually hot in you San did. Francisco right now. It is. It's like the the kind of movie you go to the air conditioning for and you see this like yeah. crazy action movie. But the whole yeah. thing is like really depressing. I wonder if he actually just reverse engineered himself to be like, what kind of man would be married to Nev Campbell? <laughs> <laughs> And so he was just doing chemistry I mean, readings with her and he was just letting her set the tone and he was like, I'm just following her energy. Turned it down a, a bunch. Turned it down a whole bunch. They had a very ER-like chemistry. <laughs> it was a very George Clooney, Juliana Margulies <laughs> thing going on. And, you know, and she, she does almost like, she does weirdly almost like shine more brightly than him in a way in this yeah. movie. Uh, which, you know, was not a surprise to me personally. Sure. Um, but, uh, but yeah. It was, yeah, he really brings it to this character place with uh, with the role, which the movie does not back up. No. So it, we open with a prologue that that <laughs> Rebecca and I are, are, are of mixed opinions on. Um, we open with this prologue that is your sort of classic prologue in movies like this, where we see it's like a 10 years ago and we see the our protagonist go through this traumatic thing um, that we're thinking, okay, this is going to set up this thing that's going to happen later in the movie. Um, and so it's a fairly, like, a, it's a really sort of, like, detailed prologue. Um, it introduces us to Pablo Schreiber, who, you know, spoiler alert, was his, um, was a colleague who turns on him later in the film, but not very much later, like two minutes later. <laughs> um, and, you know, they they go into this house where there's a domestic disturbance, and uh, and there is, a, you know, a guy who's holding his family hostage. They get the surprise of their life. He, he turns around, uh, you know, the guy, and he's holding his daughter, so they can't shoot him. And then we'll see what happens next. And I feel like that was a really big moment. Let's... Okay. All let's, right. Let's pull back a minute. That's fair. So basically, so we set up, uh, and then what happens next leads him to meet Neff Campbell, because she is a doctor, and it's also the thing that makes him lose his leg. And uh, and so basically sets up her character, Pablo Schreiber's character, and the fact that he doesn't have a leg. Um, but all those things didn't need to be set up. Like movies just exist where people have wives and they have colleagues. And like the one thing that it's set up in theory for something that happens again later is like, oh, I can't shoot a guy when he's holding a kid. Mm. Like that's not a new thing. And that's also not a thing that you, only if you've been triggered by past trauma, you can't do. Right. Yeah. Well, that's why it was necessary. <laughs> that's that's why exactly why it was not necessary. <laughs> Um, I mean, I really enjoyed the prologue. So, and the prologue was was unfortunately was the was the most finely crafted part of the it film. Really was really uh, well put together. Very very clever opening shot um, where it opens in what appears to be a very idyllic scene, and then as the camera pulls back, it it becomes clear what's really happening. It's really a good effect. I was like, oh, this movie might be clever. Mm-hmm. This might be a good movie. Nope, nope. It was an American nightmare. Next thing we know, we're in Hong Kong, uh, yes. up on the. 200th floor of this penthouse, the world's tallest skyscraper. Of a building called Hubris. <laughs> uh, it's called Icarus. I'm just like, just like our girl Sigourney Weaver. I'm guilty of the crime of Hubris. <laughs> and that's Happy all. birthday, Michi. <laughs> and that's also true of the, yesterday is the 40th birthday of one Michi Love Sausage, Rodriguez. Uh, we send her our best mm. and she has brought endless joy to us personally. 
please remember watch the assignment always watch the assignment it's the worst movie i've ever seen so we have um this tall building that's like oh it's twice the height of the burj khalifa or whatever um and uh and it's in hong kong and uh dwayne johnson's character and his family have been brought over because he is after his storied history that rebecca outlined in the summary he has somehow settled on a career of um of like fire safety inspection or something like that (laughs) for buildings like you do and um and so he and his family are being um they are staying in one of the suites in this enormous building the top half of the building, the residential half, because the bottom half is like an enormous mall, mm-hmm. and the top half is residential. It's basically San Francisco, and uh, uh-huh. it's just like the Whole Foods around the corner from me. And um, and so yeah, so they're they're there so that he can make this pitch to this billionaire Hong Kong dude who has paid for this building, um, and um, and Pablo Schreiber is his friend, and so he brings him in for it, and uh, and then just kind of there are bad people. Yeah, and the bad people come, and they want to destroy the building, and um, and the, and then the family kind of gets caught in the crossfire because they're still in literal. The bu- yeah, they're still they're in the building at the time where they're not supposed to be, because because <laughs> they're supposed to be at the zoo, and somehow the terrorists knew that. I don't know. So, but well, yeah, because Pablo Schreiber. Well, right. So the they- movie moves along at a very good clip. I will say that it doesn't really linger anywhere that it that it doesn't need to. Like you are, it buildings on fire, like. A third of the popcorn bag down. Not even. <laughs> Which is to say in the first 90 seconds. <laughs> Rebecca really goes to town. I'm so hungry. <laughs> um, and one, one thing I liked about the sort of the intro, I, again, like, you know, Dwayne Johnson trying to really do this this character is that, like, he doesn't have a lot of confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, like, doing his business thing for the first time. He's very nervous. Um, he has this beard thing going on, and he, like, puts on this jacket where he looks like a professor, and I really want to see, like professor rock next in the next movie he's in dr rock thank you for thank you (laughs) i should have known that um i enjoy that and then then he goes to this pitch he's like practicing how to like greet this guy and then and then the pitch is like like literally two seconds long he's like and your building is safe (laughs) he literally just like shows this like powerpoint with like check marks next to all but one thing safe check it's like yeah it's like five things that like you need to have if you're gonna have a safe building and like the top four green check marks next to them and there's one at the bottom that has like a red check mark or something right right right. and he's like this is what i would do i would make that green and the guy's like you're hired <laughs> presenting with charisma <laughs> and it's true dwayne johnson really does like he, he he just like he literally he feels like he takes up less space in this movie mm-hmm. maybe because the building is 220 feet that, tall that could be that 220 feet tall <laughs> <laughs> is that tall is that big? Wow, I didn't realize that. Uh, <laughs> really, you know, I thought I thought photographs smaller. So if you think it's two hundred twenty feet, then that's more than I thought. Uh, <laughs> I'm so know. bad at math <laughs> and measurements. It's I really was like, yeah, two hundred twenty feet. Um, but uh, you described it perfectly because the whole the whole like setup of what why what happens happens mm-hmm. is the worst part of this movie. Yeah, like the. Because it doesn't make any sense until the very end. It's not yes. worth figuring out who is a bad actor, oh who is not God. the bad actor. I hate it. Is not this. at all worth it. The the trouble. No, no. I literally wish it would have been like an accident. <laughs> like I wish it would have been know. like a cigarette went like and yeah. burnt the fire, and he has to go do all the acrobatics mm-hmm, and the crazy right. thing. A vape exploded. That's not funny. <laughs> That's not funny. Their whole body recoiled when I said that. My nostrils flared. <laughs> 
<laughs> her, her vape like, pen just exploded in her hand because her fist is clenched so hard. Um, uh, I had to get a new one because this one cracked in my teeth, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> I bit the glass. You goddamn chewable vapes are, not, <laughs> are what it used to be. The kids love uh, them, though. Um, yeah, if they, if all this like wasted time on who these bad guys are is just right. the worst part of the movie. Well, and that's the thing. Well, the worst part of the movie is that, but also the fact that, like, they, as you're saying, they literally don't tell you even one thing about why this is happening until, like, the last 15, 20 minutes. And I don't care. And then they tell it to you. They rush it through in, like, one scene. And, like, I was curious because I was like, why? Because, like, the guys are, like, very good at being hateable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and they are savage, heartless monsters. And, you know, and you're, and I was certainly wondering, I'm like, I'm like, well, is this movie ever even going to say why they're doing this? Mm -hmm. And it's almost like the screenwriter was not interested in that and had no incentive to tell that part of it. And then just as like a way of like ticking a box, not unlike that red check box, Mm -hmm. you need to turn that green. And then just had rushed one scene into like the final act where like the guy who owns the building is like, oh, it's because of this. And, and it's like it's given like, oh, okay. what that was, it was the so effort weak. involved in in what they had to do to destroy oh, yeah. this building, yeah, was not at all worth no wildly disproportionate what they wanted from this yeah. guy. It's basically because of like a stolen parking spot. It's yeah. like he like he like cut right. them off, and then there's like well, we're gonna burn your building. And the down. thing is, like even that would have made more that, sense because that, would, it, that would have been like about revenge and feeling. They literally needed like it's about money. Yeah. And not even that much money, it seemed like. Yeah, no. Yeah, it was, yeah. All of this, and the the, the risks they put their, themselves in mm-hmm. to do this thing. Oh, yeah. The body count in this movie is considerable. The other thing <laughs> about this movie that I was not prepared for was how, it was like John Wick style, yeah. like murder. There's this one kind of character, one of the, 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 the baddies, mm-hmm. is like a, a real, uh, has a real trigger finger, <laughs> I could say. You could say Just like dead bodies everywhere yeah i mean and it's still pg-13 because it's like mostly yeah it's mostly bloodless violence um but yeah the bodies really pile up and Mm -hmm. for what for nothing it's really for nothing it's really for nothing uh so that's strange um i will say one other thing that i liked about it was that so for for probably the first you know chunk of the movie after so after the after the fire starts um, Nev Campbell is with the kids. <laughs> of course, this is where you were going. <laughs> Denim Nev, as we used to call her in high school. Um, Denim Nev is with the kids. And um, and she kind of gets her own sort of parallel storyline to Dwayne Johnson's. And so, and it doesn't just, she's mm. not, I would say it, it flushes out her character to what I would consider a surprising degree for a movie like this. Yeah, agreed. And it lets her, and she also is like, because, you know, she's also, it turns out, like a veteran. And so she, can, she, yeah, she's an army doctor. Yeah, and she can fight. Um, and so we get you know some sweet, sweet Nev action sequences um, for at least a chunk of the movie. Like mm-hmm. it, it's not a, a long one, but there are some. And uh, it takes me back to you know watching her fight for her life and scream for all mm-hmm. those beautiful, mm-hmm. glorious films yeah. um, until she uh, is relegated to standing by the building watching it burn with a look on her face, like when she. Is staying in the kitchen when she found out her boyfriend's the killer in the first scream. Mm-hmm. Just touching her hair the same way she always does. <laughs> um, but uh, so I, I was uh, heartened by the way that they developed her character a bit more. Or, you know, a lot of action movies, frankly, they would just kill her. Uh, they would yeah. just kill her in probably yeah. the first act. And then it'd be like, oh, my wife is dead. My kids are missing. Um, yeah, you're right. You know, like. They, you really, yeah, you're right. They do really give her, like, uh, a pretty, uh, uh, a lot of agency. Mm-hmm. And uh, they empower her a lot to yeah. uh, kick a little ass, if you will. Yeah. Um. This movie is, at the end of the day, about family. 
mm-hmm. it really is they hammer that one right. home this movie is about it is. what you will do to get to your family and um <laughs> and then if you get to the part of the movie where he's doing the thing which is right where you would you would you bought the ticket for right see him do crazy stuff yes which which he does with nary a raised eyebrow no he's, so he's very... are you afraid of heights um not especially are you, you seem to have like you and the person to my right there were a couple of points in the movie where he kind of like you know starts to try to enter the oh, building yeah. and he goes 220 feet in the air <laughs> <laughs> the whole way up and, <laughs> and uh, both you and the guy to my right were like <gasps> like oh, there, i felt the reaction there was one part where they show him like when he like loses his grip for a second um mm-hmm. that felt very visceral i had a visceral mm-hmm. reaction to it um, that would have been a great movie to see in 3D. Oh, yeah, it would have been. Thanks a lot, Dash publicist. Pukey. I don't know if it's even in 3D. <laughs> Maybe pukey. Uh, but, you know, I mean, that's it's it's something... I mean, I definitely have, like, falling dreams. Sure. Um, You know, which I feel like are pretty common. Yeah, they are. Um, but, no, there's I've never been, like, at you know, on, a, on a big height where I've been, like... I always think, like, oh, I could very easily fall because you're always good. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, but I feel like that in every situation. I'm like, this could easily kill me. And that's constant yes, dialogue. Could. Yeah. Uh, another quick question. Uh, so how tall actually is the building? It's 220 stories, right? Is that what it is? So it's the tallest skyscraper yeah. in the world. He goes yeah. about halfway up, more than halfway up. Yeah, because um, it's like the family's on like the 98th floor or something. Yes, 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 yes. Um, and he kind of like uh, scurries up this crane mm-hmm. remarkably fast. The upper body strength on this guy, I'll tell you. How long do you think that would take to to climb up? I feel like the building would have been ash by the time he got to the top. Of right? It. it was crazy. It was well before you knew it. He was at the top. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, the- all around this part <laughs> is where I was like, I had a little bit of flashback to another news story as of late. Which was uh, that raccoon that climbed up that office building uh, that I almost, it was almost the end of my rope, frankly. <laughs> I was having a really tough time and I was watching that raccoon live on Twitter at like one o'clock in the morning. And I was like, if this raccoon doesn't make it, I don't even know. I can't, I can't, I like pinged my coworkers at like one in the morning because we're like a global team. And I was just like, I don't think, I think I need to take a sick day if this raccoon falls. So it's sort of like how I had already seen the first Whitney documentary before the new mm-hmm. one. And I was like emotionally spent from that. Yep. Yep. You were all emotionally spent from that raccoon. I was. So you really had nothing to give Dwayne Johnson for no. his scurry up the side of a building. Exactly. I yep. mean, I feel like they missed an opportunity with like the viral marketing to not like recreate like those like with screenshots. Yes. Yeah, like him like looking in the window. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now that would be a Dwayne Johnson movie I would enjoy. That raccoon story would have been a good risk story. <laughs> <laughs> but how did the cement smell, the raccoon? Exactly. It's like my 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 claws scratch along the window. Uh, my my nostrils flare as <laughs> as they press against the reflection my of themselves. Tommy growls with <laughs> hunger. Um, yeah. So there is yeah, it is some pretty hilarious, ridiculous stuff that that Dwayne Johnson gets up to, and then it kind of all leads to um, a very ridiculous kind of like show offy finale, like, um, centerpiece, mm, um, mm-hmm. that basically it makes use of this part of the building in the penthouse that we were shown earlier for like, ooh, ah effect. Holodeck. But then I was like, what the fuck even is that though? It's why, a why would you even have that? It's ridiculous that you would have this incredibly tall building and then you would, you would remove the view, mm-hmm. put that shit in the basement. 
Because they have, it's basically a holodeck. Like it can, you know, recreate like any sort of scene. I've never heard of a holodeck um, okay. before. Well, now's not the time to broadcast your ignorance about Star Trek, the next generation. <laughs> but it, um, I thought they were going to use that incredibly. I thought for sure what they were going to do. First of all, the turn it off, turn it back on again. I knew that was coming later. Yes. Yeah. They did set that up and they did pay it off. I thought that they were going to take this thing because they, when they show off what this room looks like, um, he shows it to Dwayne Johnson and he makes this room look like the, he's outside. So it looks like he's floating in the middle of the like the Hong Kong skyline. Mm-hmm. I thought they were going to tell the bad, like make the bad guys believe they were outside and then have them jump and then they would hit the wall. <laughs> that did not happen. That would be fun. That would be fun. Yeah, no. It, and then it all just boils down to like the, the, the cinematic splendor of Nev Campbell sort of jabbing at an iPad uh, <laughs> to save the day. So... Uh, shortly after kicking uh, Hong Kong Ruby Rose in the face. Yes, yes. Uh, what are you giving this one, Jason? <laughs> you know, I mean, I think it's a consume. Mm. Uh, you know, like because it, it is like it's a good time. Uh, you know, it's it's you know you could do worse. I mean, I feel like it delivers. I feel like it kind of gives you what you sign up for. Although I do think it does not give you as much like Dwayne Johnson kind of humor as you right. it, was you naturally expect to get from him. Like. When he gives you even like two percent of the Dwayne Johnson humor, it's like it's like it's like water when you're like you know just like in the desert. You're mm. like, oh, thank you. Just give me a little. Just give me a little smirk. Just a little mm. smirk. That's all I'm asking for. Um, but yeah, no, it's 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 a consume for me. Obviously, it's colossally stupid. But I mean, no one's going in this movie. <laughs> it's two hundred twenty feet of stupid. <laughs> But, you know, no one's going into this expecting it to be high art, except apparently for Dwayne Johnson, since the performance he gives <laughs> is his bid at, like, award season. I'm going to go with the Senate back. Yeah. Uh, because that what I was expecting was a, a rip-rolling fun time, and this movie was kind of a bummer. It it made you regret your popcorn purchase. It did. Which um, is what you really resent. Right. I mean, it, it, I wish I had bought more popcorn and I could just eat instead of watch the movie, but then <laughs> I, it just wasn't big enough. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I was expecting a, a fun summer blockbuster, and I got, like, kind of a weird, depressing, um, violent uh, nightmare. <laughs> Um. So, skyscraper is rated PG thirteen for sequences of gun violence and action, and for brief strong language. Oh yeah, someone says fuck. <laughs> uh, that brings us to movie number two, Ava, which is our pick of the week. The life of a high school girl in Iran becomes more complicated after her mother catches her in an act of rebellion. So we don't have a trailer for this one uh, this week. It is uh, not in English, and we don't have it anyway. <laughs> so. Sorry, what if we, say about that? sorry if we sound defensive. <laughs> um, Jason, I, I also did not get the the pleasure of watching this one because of, um, I'll call it an administrative error, um, which is I didn't read your email. <laughs> Administratively erred. Tell me about it. Ava. Yeah. <laughs> it looks, no, I watched the trailer, um, you know, to do my part, and it looks, <laughs> it looks like a gorgeous movie. It yeah. looks like a real beaut. It is a beaut. Thanks. Uh, yeah. So this is a story that takes place in um, in Tehran, in Iran, and it is about uh, a Tehran teenager uh, who. Um, so it's a it's a really really small character story um, that uh, is reminiscent of movies like I would say probably one of the clearest um, parallels would be to uh, to Mustang. Mm, uh, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. was a big movie a few years back, which was also similarly to this one. It was sort of about 
um, you know, sort of young, uh, young womanhood in, uh, in oppressive, uh, uh, sort of, um, you know, Islamist culture, uh, and the way that a sort of innocent, natural developmental kind of interest in like boys or something, uh, can just be wildly pilloried by like everything around, um, mm-hmm. a young girl living in such a place in, in, uh, in, uh, in Mustang, it was Turkey. Mm-hmm. In this clay, in this uh, case, it is Iran. Mustang was one of our first binges, I think. I think it probably was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, such a good movie. Um, and this is also good. So um, yeah, so we have what begins as feeling just like a just infinitely relatable story. I was actually thinking that if you had watched it, you would have been rolling your eyes at the opening scenes because um, it starts feeling very um, sort of remarkably like any other movie about a teenage girl. Mm-hmm. Um, except for you know, except for the girls are all you know uh, wearing head coverings, and um, and so they are just in, in you know we have our Ava is being dropped off at school, and she's even telling her mom she's like no don't don't she's like drop me off over here don't drop me off right in front, mm-hmm. um, and because uh, she doesn't want to be embarrassed, and she goes and talks with her girlfriends about like makeup and boys and all this stuff, and um, and uh, and then sort of the igniting incident is uh, that she is caught in a lie uh, while she is having her friend cover for her while she goes to just have this totally innocent like sort of like super super non-sexual just sort of like hang out pseudo date with a guy who she likes um and then unfortunately is caught in that lie um by her mother and um and then the mother's reaction is 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 nuclear Mm. um and then the school's reaction is even more nuclear uh and so this girl is basically how does the school find out uh well because apparently so you know it's like a all-girls school and uh, and the headmistress is is a nightmare, <laughs> and like she is a very 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 into shaming these girls, and shames about everything. Shames about you know like oh your family is disgusting, or like oh you eat too much, or like she is uh, she is terrible, and um, wow. and she decides that like she's like okay well I need to this girl's no good. She's gonna bring sh- uh, d- disgrace and shame on the school. And her family is now disgraced because of her actions, and everyone knows what she's doing. And so I need to, like, you know, figure out a way to um, expel her from this school. And um, and so, yeah, so we just kind of have this this young woman that just goes into this, this spiral uh, where every different force in her life is trying to break her uh, while she is just trying to exist. And, um, mm. and uh, you're, like, relatable. Yes, I mean... <laughs> And, uh, you know, and so it's not, you know, everything that happens in it is, is relatively, um, what did I say? Everything that happens in it is, uh, there's nothing that happens like any sort of like wildly over the top moments. Like it's all very measured and, um, but it's very, it's very intense and very dramatic and, uh, you know, and it feels like, so the, the director is a woman named, um, uh, Sada Farugi, and she was born and raised in Iran, and then her family moved to Canada, and um, and so she's sort of inspired by her own upbringing there, and uh, and I, she, her eye in this movie, like you will not see a more exquisitely composed movie this year mm. in terms of the cinematography, it's just in terms of the blocking, the framing of the shots, so just painterly and exquisite. And, um, as we sort of, yeah, go on this journey with this girl who is, um, encountering 
immense, immense resistance to very, very low-key Teenage Rebellion. And um, so, you know, all the acting is fantastic. Uh, it is, it's not like a massive bummer to watch. I know it might sound mm, like that while I'm talking yeah. about it. Um, but, you know, I think just the fact that it is so gorgeously shot kind of helps it uh, be less hard to watch in a way. Um, because you're just like so in awe of um, of just how, of yeah, of just how like masterful all the cinematography is. What are your thoughts on the actress that plays Ava? She's fantastic. She's wonderful. Um, but, uh, you know, I think the thing that, one of the things I was thinking of while I was watching this um, was, you know, I was watching this the same, like, I think the week of the next to last episode of The Handmaid's Tale this season. And um, they, you know, were reminding me of one another. Mm. And, uh, you know, made me think about how, you know, Margaret Atwood's uh, inspiration for The Handmaid's Tale in part was the uh, was like the Iranian Islamist revolution in 1979, mm. um, you know, where Iran became a theocracy. And, and that has been the case ever since. And that sort of just that 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 chilling reality um, that mm. just became when something becomes a new reality in that way, um, and you know where ba- so many just basic tenets of female existence are now outlawed or or shamed uh, or legislated. Right as Justice Kennedy starts to <laughs> decides yeah. to retire. Yeah. So uh, so yeah. So I um, you know, and of course, when we watch The Handmaid's Tale, we feel chilled to the bone about how much it feels like the momentum here is moving toward that kind of life. And uh, so I felt like this movie existed also as yet another cautionary tale, um, mm-hmm. because like Iran is still living that nightmare. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it has not. It's, you know, and someone was asking the filmmaker. Um, you know, they're like, well, did you did you want this to take place at a certain time? Is this from when you were a young child, or is it take place now? And she's like, it doesn't matter because it's been this way for forty years. And and so like she's like, the strictness, uh, the oppression hasn't changed in 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 the forty years since the revolution. So mm. it doesn't matter. Um, and um, and I guess she views the movie as really because the, all the characters that are the most developed in the film are all women. And, um, you know, and sadly, a lot of the female, uh, a lot of the adult women are, are agents of oppression. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's important to this filmmaker that she wants to encourage, um, you know, the women of Iran and, and by that extension, you know, women uh, everywhere to ask themselves how they are cooperating with mm. oppression instead of challenging it. Getting, getting some novitiate vibes. Yes, yes. Uh, minus the hanky panky, <laughs> you're like not interested anymore. Novitiate, but without all the the sex, <laughs> but with all the accusations. But with all the accusations. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is. A, I feel like that this story is relatable not only you know in terms of across religions, mm-hmm. but you know it's like across um, SES um, and cultures. There's you know uh, the misogyny and the the that uh, patriarchal structure and mm-hmm. that uh, you know over quote you know quote protection of of girls is mm-hmm. just uh like a universal terror mm-hmm. um and uh it's uh sucks <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can't say better than that you know yeah. <laughs> really you know there's 220 yeah. feet of suck give me <laughs> give me on the risk give me on risk <laughs> paint a picture with words for you uh, it's a pick of the week. I assume you're giving it a binge it. Yeah, it's a binge it. And this is a really, um, yeah, despite I, I know that I probably have sold very few, if any of you, on seeing it um, with that description. But uh, but it really is. Um, 
you know, I, I, I really, really value, I think, you know, sort of contemporary films that come out of places like Iran, just because I feel like, um, you know, it does good work, even though it's a critical look at contemporary life in Iran. Um, I think it still helps to, you know, do the work of humanizing, um, which is remains incredibly important. I was unrated, but it would probably be PG-13 for language. Which brings us to our last movie of the week, The Misandrists. A member of a radical terrorist group known as the Female Liberation Army takes pity on an injured male leftist. She soon hides him in a basement, just one of many secrets that threaten the organization's mission from within. So, this is a German movie? An um, English-German movie, English-language-German movie. Canadian director. Uh, Canadian director, writer, producer, film by Bruce LeBruce. Bruce LeBruce. Um, Jason, I got eight minutes into this movie before I turned it off. You know, and that was not an administrative error. That was by choice. It was by choice. Um, uh, I, I have never been cool. Let's just start there. <laughs> the mask falls off and makes a thud. I'll tell you. I'm a teenager and I've never been cool. <laughs> Like, I am Josie Grossi from Never Been Kissed. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry, Dan Pelosi. I'm sorry that she doesn't know what that means. Go on. I love that uh, yeah, the uh, uh, Instagram photo that you and, and Mr. Pelosi were talking about where it's uh, Lena Dunham with Taylor Swift. <laughs> Did you get the humor of that? No. That Dan's Lena Dunham on every trip he goes on because he surrounds himself with the most impossibly beautiful boys that he just like, <laughs> replenishes. He has his harem. And they just always on vacation together and just lighting up Instagram. And so I sent him that picture from Lena Dunn's Instagram several <laughs> years back. And I was like, you and every vacation that you take. So good. And it's still true. Nice. Uh, he looks very nice in his photos. He's got, he's, he's, the arms, I don't know what's happening with those, Dan. I don't know what your secret is. Because, you know, Dan's the one that got me on the whole keto thing in the first place. He looks, he looks strong as fuck. If Lena was, was also taller than the rest of the girls, then mm, I think that would mm. really be, mm-hmm. that would really be the case. Time to learn Photoshop. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, okay, so this movie is um, artistic in a way that is like, man, it's like gritty or not well made or hard to watch. <laughs> oh, on purpose, I'm guessing. Yeah, because probably, art? I think. I don't know. Am I wrong? Or is it just shitty? Uh, you know, and, and this is the kind of movie where just when you read the description of it you're like oh my god that must be so good that must be so fun and and reverent and just wild to watch and like you know like an old john waters movie um but no no it's there's nothing pleasing about it oh thank god oh my god it wasn't me never mind i'm cool yeah (laughs) i take it all back i'm an adult i'm cool (laughs) i was like like, i've never tried to chew a vape andy (laughs) i'm out it's not bleeding right now (laughs) I was like, is this like an Andy Warhol type movie? Then I was just mm. like, appreciate how like avant-garde and like shittily it's put together. And then I was like, mm. yeah. I mean, Andy Warhol is a is a somewhat of a good comparison to make, only because <clears throat> his movies were also very boring, and um, <laughs> and uh, were sort of like self consciously provocative. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But also, you know, he was he was you know doing that fifty mm. years ago, right? 
Um, right. And, um, you know, and there's a whole arc there between his movies that he was just shooting around a factory for funsies versus when Paul Morris, he took over and tried to give more of a narrative vibe. I could talk about this for a while, but. Please don't. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so Bruce LeBruce is himself is, uh, you know, is a sort of a veteran queer filmmaker. And he's been at it for, you know, like, I don't know, almost 30 years, I think. And wouldn't he, be able to tell. He had at least one movie in the 90s or that called uh, called Hustler White. Uh, that um, that was about a gay hustler in L.A. Um, the lead role was played by the beautiful Tony Ward, uh, who was one of the great beefcakes of the 90s. He was in Madonna's um, sex book, I believe. Mm. And um, <laughs> and when I was in, um, when I went to New York for the first time in 2000, uh, yeah, uh, with my friends Meredith and Melissa, uh, we went to the Virgin Mega Store, which to me was like the only reason you would go mm. to New York was to go to the Virgin Mega Store. And um, and I was like, you know, sort of like surreptitiously browsing the the gay lesbian DVD section, and I came across a DVD of Hustler White. And, um, and I was like, okay, I'm going to buy this movie, um, because it might have some wang in it and I want to see it. And, uh, and so I bought the movie and then I was like, kind of keeping it to myself away from my friends. And then as I was leaving the Virgin Mega store, uh, suddenly all the alarms began to sound. Yes. Yeah. Um, this is a story. And, uh, for risk. And, and a security guard, like, like ran over to me and was like, sir, I need to see the contents of your bag. And, um, and I guess like, I think Meredith or Melissa had noticed what I had. And so like, they turned to each other and they're like, oh no, his man movie. <laughs> and, um, and so then I had to stand there while this guy like pulled my like semi gay porn out of my bag and, uh, nice. and sort of like looked at it and, uh, and had to like go over and have somebody like scan it to turn off the sensor. Amazing. Yeah. Whole production. So Bruce LeBruce only brings me pain is what I'm saying. Mm, yeah. The movie was not worth it. And, um, but yeah, he's made a lot of like super, super like radical punk gay movies over the years. Um, and, uh, but I don't know. I think that, because frankly, if we're talking honestly about John Waters, like he hasn't made a movie in a really long time. And the last movie he made, A Dirty Shame, wasn't so great. Mm. And so I think that, you know, like, and obviously John Waters has found really great outlets in other forms, like mainly writing, um, where he has continued to be an amazing, amazing artistic influence who's, who's changed lives and made the world better. Um, Bruce LeBruce might want to consider a, a similar path. Like, try mm. try something else. Because mm-hmm. I don't know that filmmaking is still uh, hitting it the way that uh, the way that it used to. Um, you know, I, it, it's a story that feels like it thinks of itself as being very provocative, right, right, and very button pushing. Um, but really, it's just it's just boring. You know, um, and as you know, I don't know if you got to read Ingu's review. No, I did not. A uh, friend of the show, Ingu Kang. Uh, wrote a review of it where she basically was like, oh, wow, like how bold to lampoon all the most like hilarious parts of second wave feminism from 40 years ago. Mm. Um, so uh, she's like, you know, although I've seen other people suggest that this movie is more of a commentary on like contemporary trans exclusionary feminism. Mm. Although even that is still more of a second wave feminism thing mm-hmm. yeah. um, than anything uh, contemporary. Certainly it exists. Certainly there's a transphobia within feminism mm-hmm. um, parts of it, but um, as there is transphobia everywhere. But um, but yeah, it just feels very dated and it feels like a kind of pointlessly, you know, like, you know, the acting is all horrendous and um, and the dialogue is, is beyond stiff and hokey. And, uh, you know, and there's just kind of, you're just kind of like, where is this going? Like, what are, where, what, what, what is this ride that we're on? Where, where does it all lead? 
and um and yeah it doesn't lead anywhere worth seeing right uh so yeah i mean there's some you know they show some did you get to the gay porn part i did yeah is that when you were just like enough i mean yeah i mean it just seemed ridiculous yes and unnecessary and like thanks bruce LaBruce for including like uh full-on gay porn in a movie that's supposed to be about like a women's liberation movement (laughs) still gotta put it in there thanks 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 bud yeah he does uh, yeah, in the first eight minutes, you get like several shots of uh, of the one male character peeing. Yeah, um, oh, like God. like actually, um, just go watch the Beguiled. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is it's the same premise. This is yeah, it is it is very similar to the Beguiled, um, and um, uh, which, also filmed on the plantation yeah, where they like, filmed. Like oh yeah, uh, <laughs> formation, formation. Uh, yeah, it's like the Beguiled because you know that movie also had that sequence where you know Nicole Kidman and Elle Fanning watch all that gay porn. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> On a projector, <laughs> and just talk about what freedom will look like when the war's over. A bit of an anachronistic uh, choice there, mm-hmm, but uh, mm-hmm. Coppola, Coppola's. <laughs> uh, I'm giving this um, such a send it back from for... the first eight minutes. <laughs> I don't know what the rest of the movie's like. But... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would agree. I can't. I cannot think of a single situation or circumstance in which I would say, "Oh, you should watch it." Then, unless your name was Jason LeJason. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like you might have a stronger bond with Bruce LaBruce. I mean, that's if I met a Jason LaJason, then I would say, let's <laughs> hang out and watch the Miss Andrus together. <laughs> let's see where the night takes us. Um, so send it back as well? Yeah. All right. Um, it's unrated, and then don't go see it. Um, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I'm delighted. I will, I will say that since you didn't watch the end of it, and since we're not saying for anyone to watch it, the last shot of this entire movie is um is a graphic close up of an egg being fished out of a vagina. With the shell on? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> You're like, well then okay. All right then. <laughs> I would have been upset. <laughs> <laughs> I just had this thing about hard boiled eggs today. I think they can be eaten very classily. Um and but I was told they would be a bad first date food. I think you should eat them like a snake. Okay. Anyway, you, you, that's you, it. you should eat them like a snake? Yeah, we put the whole thing in your mouth, you swallow it, you watch the egg go down. <laughs> but with the shell on it? No, with the shell off. Hard boiled. Hard boiled. You, you're like, come on. Yeah, them, <laughs> keep up. It? Keep up. Come on. Well, you have to peel a hard boiled egg before you. Uh... Yeah, shell off. Yeah. <laughs> shell off. Right. Slide it down your gullet. I guess, you know, or a mayon egg. Uh, oh. Have a, a mayon egg. Uh, yeah, that yeah. would really help with the. Yeah, it's even better for the first date. Because mm-hmm. that way you're sort of just like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just washing it down. Right. Uh, you know, I don't have any egg left because the mayonnaise took care of it. Yeah. Hmm. Um, that's it. That's it. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of The Binge. Be sure to subscribe um, on your uh, podcast app. You can follow Jason on Twitter. He is at Excess Baggage. I'm at Fight Balance. Thank you so much for listening. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. You made it to the end. That's amazing. There goes the binge. binge.